here. It's just me today. Today's Taste Life Nutrition Radio streaming live on KUHSDenver.com where we are uh, doing our very best to talk truth, to talk um, about health and wellness and what that looks like to be truthful in your health and wellness. Uh-oh, I forgot to check my box. All right, checking the box. Always something I'm forgetting. So it's always fun for me, let's see, it's always fun for me to be able to come in and you know do these shows uh, just me, because then I can come in and talk about whatever I wanna talk about. Um, but I enjoy it, I enjoy just kinda getting to hang out with you. And um, you know, we have been, or I've been talking a lot about soulful conception. Um, it plays such a big role in our world and in our lives, um, and especially when you know there are those of us, those of you, um, I'm not in this category <laughs> right now, but um, that have been uh, that are considering getting pregnant, that are um, maybe struggling to get pregnant, maybe going through uh, IVF, even uh, IUI, IVF. You know, so often this is, um, you know, it's it's sort of seen as a woman's issue. And I know that uh, very much of what I do is in speaking with women and talking with, you know, uh, women and, you know, anything that I do is really marketed or, you know, geared toward women. Um, but this is this is a couple's thing, right? Um, if you're a couple, uh, this is very very much uh, related to men's health and men's fertility as well. Um, you know, there are so so many people who are struggling. But when it comes to soulful conception itself, and I'll dig in a little bit to what that is, um, soulful conception is. You know, it's really about uh, taking the time prior to uh, prior to when you're actually ready just to get going. This is about creating a healthy body. It's about creating a healthy body so you can do your very best to ensure that you're also creating a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. And then what is the most amazing piece of it, and you've heard me say this probably a million times, but is that creating that, that, that pre preparation time, that planning, that preconception planning time is really about creating a healthy future for generations to come. And it's really, uh, it's, it's amazing, it's fascinating, it's really, really beautiful. Um, because really the data shows that the healthier we are today, both mom and dad, the healthier that the pregnancy will be, the easier the pregnancy will be, uh, as well as the, the, the healthier the baby will be, the healthier and more successful the baby will be as he grows up to be a productive adult. And then, which one, two? Okay, we're here. All right, gotta, gotta fix all my buttons here. Um, so everybody can hear me. Uh, anyway, so you know that's the goal is is creating a healthy, productive adult, and then creating from there the ability for that adult to then go on and create more healthy generations. And so the data shows that um, creating that that if that our our health today 
can be passed on for seven generations. And this is one of the things that just um, really changed my world when it came to understanding nutrition, understanding biochemistry, understanding genetics and epigenetics, and uh, you know the amount of power and the amount of control that each of us has individually to, to, to create our future. I believe that we're co-creators in our future. Um, and then you know, create the healthy generations. We are in a, a situation right now where our health is tanked. Fertility rates have tanked. In the last, I think it's the last 40 years, I believe, male fertility has dropped 60%. Think about that a little bit. Male fertility in the last 40 years has dropped 50, 60%. That's it's kind of mind-blowing. It really is. Um, so one of the things before I start getting into this uh, is I need to be, I need to talk a little bit about gratitude because uh, that's how we always want to start the show. We want to start the show with gratitude. I start my mornings with gratitude. I go to bed in the evenings uh, in, in gratitude. Um, you know, saying my prayers and being grateful for all of the uh, amazing people in my life, the amazing, uh, uh, the ability for me to, you know, be on, you know, platforms like this here at KUHS Denver, uh, and, you know, being able to talk about the things that I think are important uh, and bring on people who are out there who are of service and who are working really hard every day to create uh, their own health and help others to, to create their health as well. You know, whether that, of course, as this we know with the show, you know, health is uh, relational, it's physical, mental, emotional, it's financial, it's spiritual. All of these things are really important to making sure that we are living this life really just as big and boldly and beautifully as we possibly can. And so. Um, I think that this morning, that's probably what I'm grateful for. Um, I'm grateful to be able to, to, to have this platform. I'm grateful for those who, who watch. And if you have any questions, feel free to jump in and uh, post them in, in the Facebook page or on uh, Instagram. Hey, Missy. Um, and, you know, let me know if I can answer some questions for you. I'm working to do my best to make sure that uh, this is as interactive as possible and that um, anything that I can do to help and to be of service to you, uh, we're going to try to bring it on the show and, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully create something that's, that's beneficial and fun, right? That's the whole goal is to have fun oh, as part of the goal. <laughs> I think it's a big part of the goal. Life, life should be fun uh, as often as we can possibly make it fun. So, um Super grateful for all of you who are there. Missy, super grateful for you. Missy was on the show back a few weeks ago with an amazing story. If you didn't see it, go back. Um, I believe it's been two weeks uh, talking about her um, situation with bariatric surgery. Uh, it is it is fascinating and, and uh, I guess it just opens your mind to really taking a step back and understanding what, wh what what goes into the decisions you make when it comes to your body? Um, so it can be whether it's you know bariatric surgery, um, you know it can be with fertility, it can be with you know any kind of surgery, any kind of health decisions. It's important to to do your best to to take that step back and um, do your research. Find the people who can 
who can help you, who can guide you. One of the things that I say all the time to anybody who will listen, really, is to build your team. Build your team of people who are um, who are there to help to support you, who are willing to work together um, and help to build you up in whatever capacity that looks like. And so what I run into a lot is, and it's really sad, but is, you know, people aren't feeling supported when they go to their doctor. And if you're a doctor, I hope you hear this because I hear this from my clients all the time. I mean, on a regular basis. Uh, just yesterday, um, I have a client who had, she's not a fertility client, but she uh, went to her doctor. We think that she's got some things that, that need to be, uh, she needs to go to imaging for. And her doctor basically said no. <laughs> She's trying to take control of her health. She's trying to, you know, take the steps forward to make sure that she's doing all of the things right. She's coming to me. She's got other people who are on her team to help her, help to guide her. And then when she goes to her doctor for help and says, I think I need to have some imaging done, um, the doctor says no. And that she is dealing with these issues. Uh, there's some GI issues. That she's dealing with these issues and she's just going to have to get used to it because that's just how her body is. So think about that for a minute. Um, this is a real problem. It's a problem with anybody who, who is, you know, I believe that I'm in the service industry, right? I'm here to serve, I'm here to help my clients, and I believe that, that the medical field is also a service industry. And, you know, my, my, what I believe is that doctors go into medicine uh, you know there are a number of reasons, but it's it's to serve and it's to help. And how is it that we can that we can become so cold and callous as to not want to help someone who feels like they they need help and they need guidance? Um, and so it's 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 frustrating, um, but it's not everybody. You know, not there. You know, a lot of people out there who want to support and want to be part of the team who are in conventional medicine, and then of course those who are in non-conventional medicine, uh, who, who are there to, to really to, to build people up, to guide, to, to, to love on you, and to support you, and to help you through whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, and so if we take this back to fertility, you know, the, the title of the show is Inflammation and How It Affects Fertility. Well, really, you know, inflammation affects every part of us. And so the thing to make, you know, one of the things to make sure that we take a step back and try to do, you know, as often as possible is ask the questions why. So if you have inflammation, it's not just because you have inflammation. You may not know you have inflammation. Um, you know, that's why we run labs, right? We look to see, you know, is there systemic inflammation? Is there GI inflammation? There are a number of different markers that we can run to help us to understand um, you know wh why there's inflammation or wh where there's inflammation and then we want to dig into the why there's inflammation so always ask the question why don't settle for uh, well you just have you know if for you know if we're you know talking to women and, and, and women's issues you just have PCO PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome and that's just the way that it is um, you know there are lots of reasons why PCOS can can uh, can can create a problem with fertility. Um, and so, you know, lots of things, you know, if, if, we're in, if we are inflamed, it can be, could it be the food that we're eating? Sure. 
Could it be that there's infection? Sure, we can test for that. Could it be that there's a toxic burden? Sure, we can test for that. Could it be that the liver is has um, less of a, a capability of detoxifying the way it should properly due to specific epigenetic variants? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, can it be micronutrient deficiencies aren't allowing the body to detoxify properly or to function properly? Yeah, you know, fertility is, um, it's sort of the last thing on the list. You know, if the body's fighting something, in most cases, it's not gonna wanna try to carry another little person. It just doesn't have the capability. And so, you know, where I come from, you know, as I've, you know, gone through this whole process of, of working as a, as a functional nutritionist and, and building my business and, and, you know, working with the women who I work with, you know, a lot of times they'll come to me because they have GI dysfunction or they have, you know, an autoimmune condition, but it's the, they come to me and they say, you know what, I really want to get pregnant. And I know that I, I, you know, I can't be in this situation and try to get pregnant. So that's where the preconception planning came from. Um, it really is, you know, uh, so born out of, out of my love of epigenetics, my love of, uh, of the, the human body and the process of creating little bodies the, the miracle of creating little bodies is it's it's fascinating and it's beautiful we have you know we live in a world where you know some, some people just don't believe in miracles and i believe that we see miracles every single day multiple times a day when we have when someone gets pregnant or when someone has a baby it's really really amazing um and i just think it's it's really beautiful and so um you know, it's also come, you know, this has come from, you know, clients who talk to me and say, I need to get rid of these issues so I can focus on a healthy pregnancy and getting pregnant. Um, and then that's, and that's what we do, right? We, we, you know, so many women, and I'd say men too, but I think, you know, women, autoimmune disease in women is, it, it's so high and it just keeps growing and growing. And once there's one autoimmune condition, the, the likelihood of more jumping on board um, is it's just increases exponentially. And so especially as we start to consider hormone changes, uh, women, you know, as we start to move beyond that point of wanting to get pregnant and we have an autoimmune condition and say we start to move on in through uh, perimenopause and menopause and all those hormonal fluctuations, more autoimmune conditions can jump on board. And so we want to do our best to make sure that the body is in a position where the inflammation is at a, you know, is, is at very least manageable, if not, you know, we're not inflamed, you know, not inflamed is probably the best, <laughs> the, the, the best. But um, it's also, um, you know, making sure that the symptoms are being addressed. Any symptoms that you have, whether it's autoimmunity or not, a lot of women don't realize that they're not getting pregnant because they have an autoimmune condition. It's important. It's an important thing to take into consideration if, if it's not working for you. Um, but you know, we have at this point, you know, I'm looking at my notes here, there are one in five people in the US trying to become pregnant. And with the fertility rates of, of men and women, you know, significantly declining, but men, you know, lowering by 60%, it's no 
no wonder why we're having such a hard time and why so many people are getting frustrated, why, why so many um, people are starting to move through and go through IVF, which can be really invasive and really difficult. And so if it's possible to, to reach these people, these women, these men, uh, you know, and, and as they're coming together to, to get ready to start to create, right, create these little lives, before they actually are ready to get pregnant and start the, the process of planning for conception now. So preconception planning is anybody who thinks they wanna get pregnant at some point all the way up to those who are already going through IVF. Um, you know, preconception planning and, and thinking of all of the things that go into that are, um, are, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are in the process. It just matters that you take it, you know, seriously and take the time to do, uh, you know, a little bit of research, find the people who are there who want to help you and want to guide you, uh, find some answers if you need to find answers for any symptoms or autoimmune conditions you're dealing with, um, and then start the process sooner rather than later so you can start, you can feel that confidence as you're moving to getting ready to, to have that baby. Um, and that's really what it's all about, is having confidence in, in knowing that you are healthy and that you are doing your very best to, to, to create a healthy family. And that's what it's all about, right? So um, we have, uh, you know, when it comes to inflammation, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at, at, at labs, those are some of the, the most important things I wanna look at because we need to understand why. Um, and so I think one of the things that I, that's important to, to kind of take it back to basics is really just talking about the food. You know, we can get into, um, you know, all the conditions that people are dealing with and, you know, and why they're there. They're there because they're inflamed. And so why are they inflamed and what's going on? So it's all, you know, we're, we're trying to peel back those layers and really understand the root cause. Um, and so if we're looking at a tree, right? So we've got the roots. We want to understand what's going on at the roots. So the tree has the ability to do its job in, you know, building leaves and growing branches and the flowers or whatever it is that it needs to do. So we don't necessarily want to interfere up here. We want to interfere down at the bottom. We want to look at the root cause. We want to address health at the foundational level and allow the body to, to do its job, right? It's got a really cool job to do, whether it's, you know, just the everyday functioning that it needs to do. It's a lot of work or if it's to start to uh, create a little little person. So one of those those roots really is food. You know, um, it, it's, it's, I find it um, so interesting, the amount of confusion there is around the food that we eat, what's healthy, what's not healthy, but then there's also confusion because, well, what's healthy for me? Because I'm not everybody else. And that's something that we need to understand and really take a step back and just because one way of eating works for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for you. It doesn't mean it's going to work for me. You know, the, the fad diets are, are, you know, sort of proof in the pudding of that. You know, the fad diets, they work for some people and they work for a period of time and they may not work for long or they might, but they don't work for everyone. And then we just get frustrated and we blame ourselves. And so <laughs> that's really not the goal is to lay blame on ourselves. It's really to understand our own body, the uniqueness of it, what it needs, and uh, and address that. And so one of the interesting things too is 
I got to doing uh, some research back, actually it's when I was in Belize. It's really funny, we're sitting in bed and I'm researching on vacation, but it's great because it's what I love to do. That's <laughs> sort of part of it, right? It's, it's I have the ability to research stuff that I want to research um, when I'm on vacation, it's good stuff. So, you know, there is this, there's this thought that um, the same sort of food works for everyone. So everybody should eat high plant-based diet, a little bit of meat, a lot of vegetables, some fruit, good healthy fat. But what, what really does that mean? And really should everybody be plant-based? I mean, I do fully believe that we need to have um, a lot of plants on board. We gotta eat our vegetables, we gotta eat our fruit. They're full of healthy phytonutrients. They're also full of anti-nutrients. Some of them are, not all of them. And so there are some people, I, I, I believe that so much of it depends on our history, right? It's, it's our, uh, where our family comes from. And so I am Western, like 98% Western European. And so what does that look like? And I started looking into the foods that, that they would eat. Um, and it's a lot, it was pork, no chicken, so very little chicken, like pork and uh, bison, bison, probably not bison, pork and beef. Oh, and lamb, that's what it was, like there was something there. So pork and beef and lamb, um, some good healthy carbohydrates, so not like bread, but more like, um, you know, I started thinking maybe I should bring in oatmeal again. I don't do a lot of grains. But they did grains, right? Is that something that is beneficial for me because that's where I'm from? Um, you know, we have, and every, you know, most everybody knows this, but those who, um, I believe it's the Inuits, who their fat, their, their diet is primarily fat, and that's how their body's built. And there are those then who, who, who eat a lot of root vegetables, uh, you know. And so I also know that we have, many of us are mutts. So it can be really difficult to understand, you know, but, but if, you, if you have your, uh, your genetic history and you know where you come from, looking at traditional foods and traditional diets may be super beneficial for you. Um, and as I start to learn more and dig into that and do more genetic testing on people, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think it's, import it's important to take into consideration as I'm working with, with clients and people who are wanting to get pregnant and making sure that we're, 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 we're giving foods to people, we're, we're showing foods to people that they should eat that are beneficial for their particular body. You know, it's, 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 a, it's not a one size fits all. So, but if we, if we take it away, take, take it, you know, back to basics, it really is about eating good healthy fat good healthy meat, good healthy vegetable and fruit. And then beyond that, if there's a little bit of grain, I believe that gluten is highly inflammatory for most everybody, uh, unless you live in Europe. And then, you know, it's nice that you don't mess with your food the way <laughs> we do over here. Uh, but gluten is a problem uh, for a lot of people. Um, I stay away from it and I recommend that my clients stay away from it, at least for a period of time so we can understand if it's actually creating a problem for them as well, if we're not doing food sensitivity testing. So that can be really beneficial as well, um, depending on the situation. So um, one of the things, you know, I was reading as I was preparing for the show today, uh, you know, I was reading 
some of the data on an anti-inflammatory diet and fertility. Um, and there's a lot of good data showing that an anti-inflammatory anti, uh, diet is great and can really increase the chances of conception. Um, hold on one second, Missy. Uh, it can really increase the chances of conception. It can also increase the chances for a healthy pregnancy and of course a healthy baby. And so I got a question here. Um, do you ever recommend the blood panels they do they do not to see your food tolerance. Um, I'm not sure I understand. So you are, if you're talking about uh, food sensitivity testing or food intolerance testing, so yeah, I do recommend those. I recommend them on a regular basis, but it's not, it's not for everybody. So one of the things to understand when it comes to food intolerances is there are a number of reasons, and if that's not what you're asking me, let's see, yeah. Um, so when it comes to the food intolerance testing, you know, we may be intolerant to certain foods, we can be intolerant to a few things, but a lot of times what we see is somebody comes in and their results, or we, we do food sensitivity testing, and the results show that they're sensitive to everything. <laughs> and then you're like, what the hell am I going to eat? This isn't good. What am I going to do? And so what we got to do is we got to take a couple of steps back, and we got to really understand, uh, you know, what the benefit of the test is. So the way that I typically will do food sensitivity testing, depending on the situation, is I'll run other labs first, um, and then we'll, we'll, you know, if we're, if, if labs, if results come back and show that maybe food sensitivity testing is gonna be a good idea, then maybe we'll run food sensitivity testing. Um, if somebody just says, I wanna have as much data as possible and I don't care what it costs, I'm like, great, then we'll run it. Um, if, also, if then, we run the testing, uh, other testing, and we start down the path of a you know individualized protocol for someone, and we're not getting the results that we want, then we start looking at food sensitivity testing. Then, um, and I think it's important, and it's it's you know it can give us a lot of great information. Um, you know, some people just they they have the money to spend. Um, I never upcharge for labs, so it's something you know, but they're just not. It's not an inexpensive thing to do. Uh, for the most part, but it, it is amazing the amount of information that we get from, from these functional labs. We also want to make sure, though, that when you do food sensitivity testing, that you're doing it through a company that's a reputable company. You know, you've got your, you know, your, 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 those that are, you know, um, advertised on the internet that anybody can go to, and, and sure, you can get your food sensitivity testing done. Uh, is it a reputable company? Is, is it, are they doing it and, and making sure that the results are right? So I, you know, the companies that I use are functional lab testing companies. They're not meant for everybody. The thing is too, I hear this all the time, when people go and they do this on their own, they come back, they're like, okay, so I have these results, but I don't know what to do with them now. And I don't even really know what they mean. I'm sensitive to these things. Do I keep them out of my life for my entire life, right? Or do I, you know, what, what does it mean? And so there's a lot to it. And so it's, it's, it's really, I mean, you know, even if you were to go do it, you know, are, how accurate are they? If you do it on your own, are they as accurate as, as a company who is proven? So just keep that in mind. Um, also, when it comes to food sensitivities and fertility, Food sensitivities, if you have them or if you have immune uh, upregulation and you're sensitive to a lot of foods and you keep eating these foods, that can interfere with, um, with, with, with conception. 
um, it's that inflammatory response. And so we got to understand why the body has an inflammatory response to certain foods. Um, now, when it comes to things like gluten and dairy, I mean, those are epigenetic variants that we can look at and see if you have you have the potential for being uh, uh, sensitive to gluten and sensitive to dairy. There are lots and lots and lots of people who grow out of essentially the ability to break down and digest dairy. Um, dairy is one of those things. So, kind of you know, uh, getting back to what we were talking about as far as you know, good healthy foods. Dairy is on the list of things that are. It's I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence because it depends on the person. Um, you know, if I can see their genetics and look at, you know, the variants and see that they have the potential for being sensitive, then like, yeah, we take it out. If they have an autoimmune condition, we absolutely take it out. Anybody with an autoimmune condition should never, ever, ever, ever have gluten or dairy, period, ever. Uh, it's just the way that it goes. I mean, there are not a lot of things that are black and white, and that's pretty black and white. It shouldn't happen. But if you're someone who's not dealing with an autoimmune condition and you uh, want to eat dairy, and you feel comfortable with it, or you know your genetics, then or your, your variants, then eat it, but eat it raw. So the cheese that we have that's conventional cheese, even if it's organic, if it's not raw, it's processed, it's been heated, there are no more digestive, there are no more enzymes uh, to help the body to digest it, there are no probiotics, the, the fat and the protein structures are changed, so don't fall for the, this is the only way for me to get calcium, you know, marketing gimmick, because it's a joke. But, um, you know, it's, you know, I'm not totally against dairy for the people, for the right people who, who actually their body sees it as a good, healthy food. And it's a good, healthy food if it's raw, because it has, it's completely intact. And so not everybody can get raw cheese, not everybody can get raw milk, um, but that's, that's what I believe is the best way to eat cheese. You know, here in Colorado, we can get raw cheese, but it has to be, I think, aged 60 days, maybe 90 days, I think 60 days. And so that's great, and so if I bring home cheese, that's what I'm gonna bring home. I don't usually eat it, but I bring it home for, for the husband, who's like, I need cheese. Um, <laughs> so we'll do that. Um, and you know, it's periodically I'll have a little bit of cheese, but. I, I genetically or you know my variance shows that I'm fine with dairy what I think the case is though is it makes me a little mucusy and so you know we we when we're looking at at you know epigenetic reports and seeing these variants we want to we want to take it into consideration but that's only our potential it's not it's not everything about us and it's certainly not diagnostic so there must be, for me, something else going on if my genetics show that dairy is fine for me, but, I'm, but it still kind of makes me feel like I'm, I get a little bit mucusy. And I think a lot of people get that way. So those are things to, to, to take into consideration when you're eating foods um, and you're, you're trying to learn, again, how to listen to your body. Um, because listening to your body is something that, that we don't do like we used to do, that we forget. We have, uh, you know, our, our nose starts to run after we eat something and we don't take, you know, we don't think about it. That's something, right? It's something that we want to take into consideration. Or we sneeze or we get a headache or um, we get joint aches or we get brain fog or, you know, of course, this is kind of a given, but you get a stomach ache or you get heartburn. 
So all of these things are the body talking to us, and we want to take a step back and understand and ask the question, why is this happening? Instead of what, we're, what, what we do now is we go and we take an Advil or we go and we take um, a, a, an acid blocker, something like that that you know, is going to, in the long run, create huge, huge impact on, um, on our body as well as potentially our fertility. That reminds me, one of the stats that I came across, if I can find it quickly enough, is talking about men and male fertility and the use of uh, ibuprofen uh, over a fairly short period of time. Let's see if I can find that real quick. It's kind of at the end. Um, let's see, ibuprofen, let's see. <clears throat> yep. So in 2018, Danish researchers published evidence identifying chronic ibuprofen use as a possible male infertility trigger. Um, ibuprofen messes with healthy testicular function. Using ibuprofen for as little as 14 consecutive days, elevating luteinizing hormone levels, disturbing testosterone production. As little, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> as little as 14 days. And we have people who use ibuprofen every single day. So what's it doing? It's, um, I was listening to a uh, podcast, I don't know, it's a couple of years ago now, but of a doctor who stated <coughs> that she, that, any t that when we take ibuprofen just one time, every time we take it, the, the liver bleeds a tablespoon. Think about that for a minute. So it can have a negative effect on the kidneys. It can have a negative effect on the gut. I truly believe that chronic um, ibuprofen use is something that increases intestinal permeability. Um, and, uh, you know, intestinal permeability, then just it's a, it's a spiral, right? It's a spiral out of control. And so what is intestinal permeability? If you haven't heard of it, you might have heard of leaky gut. Um, essentially, so if you can see me, we have cells that, that line, I mean, our whole body, right? But it, you know, line our GI tract from top to bottom, and they're supposed to be super, super close. Um, and so what happens with inflammation, with probably chronic uh, ibuprofen use, with chronic drug use, any, legal or illegal, doesn't really matter, stress, all of these things, it increases a protein called zonulin. So it's a totally normal part of the body and of biochemistry is for zonulin to go up. I think zonulin goes up in pregnant women. Um, I think it goes up in times of starvation, but it's supposed to go up and then it's supposed to go down, right? And so what happens in our world today is zonulin goes up and it stays up. And so that what zonulin does is it opens up those cell walls. So it can open up each cell um, from each other it also can tear through, so cells can actually tear open, and it leaves these gaps in the GI tract where food, yeast, bacteria, things are getting into the bloodstream when they're not supposed to be in the bloodstream. And so the body doesn't recognize it. It sends out these alert signals, you know, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. And so that's when inflammation comes in, and that's also then, um, you know, in time can lead to autoimmunity. Um, and, you know, every other condition, right? So cardiovascular disease, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I think it's important to understand that things like cardiovascular disease are in, uh, are really based in inflammation. It's not about high cholesterol necessarily. There's a lot to that and it's a whole other show. Actually, I did a show on this, so you can go back and look um, for the cholesterol show that I did. I think it was a, a pretty informative show, but 
Um, but really, it, you know, it's not about the cholesterol necessarily. It's more about inflammation. And inflammation comes from eating high sugar foods, eating high processed foods full of unhealthy fats. Those are the things that are going to increase unhealthy cholesterol. And, uh, and then the inflammatory process allows for these small, dense cholesterol particles to get through the, the vasculature and start to create problems. And so it's all about inflammation. Uh, if you have high cholesterol and your inflammation is in check and you have big buoyant particles, again, this is, this is another topic, um, that's a good thing. Even if it's LDL, it's a good thing to have higher LDL uh, if we know that it's healthy and these things aren't always tested. This is st stuff that I test all the time because I need to know the details. I need to know as much of the picture, the full picture, as I can possibly get in order to do my best to help my clients for whatever their situation is. So we talked a little bit about dairy. I want to talk a little bit about meat. Um, one of the other things that I saw as, as uh, when I was looking at these, you know, the, the anti-inflammatory diet for fertility is they, they ate a high dairy diet, of course high vegetables, high fruit, low red meat or no red meat. And this is a problem. I think this is a big problem. Um, it's not that I'm against the Mediterranean diet at all. I think the Mediterranean diet is, is smart. It's pretty generalized. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, really focuses on, you know, good healthy oil like olive oil. If you don't eat enough olive oil, go eat some good healthy olive oil. Make sure it's a good olive oil and not cut and it's hard to know that. So, but know that um, just going to your, your regular store and buying a, you know, bottle of olive oil in a clear plastic jug is not a good idea. <laughs> so um, you want it to smell like olive oil. Oftentimes it doesn't, uh, which means it's probably not all olive oil and it's going to be inflammatory because they cut it with things like soybean oil and canola oil, uh, these things that are super inflammatory, right? And so we'll get into that again here in just a minute. But again, I'm not against, the, you know, the, the dairy. They're talking about high, high dairy, but they're not separating raw versus conventional and then all of the things that dairy can the problems dairy can create for some people for a lot of people but when it comes to meat um there's there's such a there's so much misinformation about why why we should not eat red meat which in my mind is a huge problem you know that's where we get our good forms of iron uh especially for women who are of menstruating age and are trying to get pregnant we've got to have iron we can't depend on spinach to give us the, the, the right form of iron because it's got to be converted into the useful form of iron, which is from meat. So, but it's a, <laughs> meat has a big place in our lives and is important, but we have to make sure that we're eating meat that is healthy meat. And so when we have, you've probably heard me say this a million times, I'm going to say it again, again in case you're new, but Healthy meat is grass-fed, it's pasture-raised, it's not conventionally raised. Those are unhealthy animals. Uh, if you take them off grass and you put them into the feedlots and you start to feed them corn and grain, things that they don't naturally eat, what does that do? It increases their fat. They get a, they become, in two weeks time, they become, I think they, they gain 30% more weight and it's all unhealthy fat. And so we have, it, it's the, the, the Omega-3 fatty acids you've probably heard of, you, you hear about fish oil, it's an omega-3 fatty acid, which is anti-inflammatory. And then we have omega-6 fatty acids, which play a role in 
inflammation, but it's healthy. It should be healthy. So we need both of them. We've got to have omega-3. We've got to have omega-6 because we have to have an inflammatory response, but we have to have an anti-inflammatory response at the same time. So what happens when we take cows off of grass, put them into a feedlot, feed them things that they're not supposed to eat, they become obese, they're inflamed, they're unhealthy, they're higher in omega-6. So if we start to eat animals that are higher in omega-6, we're gonna be higher in omega-6. And I test this on my clients all the time. And I'm gonna tell you 90% of the time, their omega-3, omega-6 index is, is way out of range and they're way higher in omega-6 than they are in omega-3. And this, this is a problem, and it can create a problem in fertility. It can create a problem with, with anybody who's trying, to, uh, who's trying to deal with whatever symptoms they're dealing with. And so making sure that the, the meat is 100% grass-fed as best as you possibly can. You know, you can lower your meat intake a little bit, and if, if, if that's possible, again, going back to genetics some people are true meat eaters and some people are more plant-based i'm more plant-based i know my genetics and that's how it is but i do believe that we're supposed to eat meat i eat meat it's good for us um good healthy meat is good for us so chickens chickens are supposed to be out they're supposed to be scratching in the fields and eating worms and bugs they are not vegetarians makes me crazy when i buy eggs uh, or i'm looking at eggs or even you know packs of chicken and it says that these chickens are vegetarian fed. They're not vegetarians. Um, and free range means nothing. And uh, cage free means nothing. Uh, they need sun, they need to be outside. So if you're able to get pasture-raised chicken, then that's in pasture-raised eggs, that's gonna be ideal because the hope is, right, there's a lot of really good marketing out there, but you know, without going to the farms and checking them out yourself, um, you know, the, the hope is that you're, you're getting what you're, what you're paying for. And so you're getting good, healthy eggs that are gonna have a nice, natural, normal omega-3, omega-6 fatty acid content. Uh, same with cows, same with chickens, same with, with all of the, the animals that we eat who give their lives for us. Uh, you know, the hope is that if we're eating grass-fed animals, then they're also being treated well, treated better than conventional animals are, uh, it can be really disgusting the way that our animals are treated. Um, I'm a huge animal advocate. I fully believe that we are here to take care of them because in the end, especially those who feed us, they're, they're there serving us. So we serve them while they're here. Um, so I wanna talk a little bit about the fats. Lots and lots of confusion here. So we were talking about how olive oil is a good healthy fat and making sure it's a good healthy olive oil. Sometimes it's just more expensive, um, but um, you know, you got, there are some things you just gotta, you know, you get what you pay for. And if you're not paying a lot, not a lot, if you're not paying a little more for your olive oil, it may not be olive oil. So just be aware of that. You know, I'm all about saving money everywhere, but I'm also about making sure that what I'm putting into my body is, um, and, and putting money in other people's pockets is actually gonna be beneficial for my body. And, you know, I, w I wanna pay people who are doing the right things. I think that's important, you know, we. We, we build our, our society basically with our pocketbooks and we let people know how, how we feel about what they're doing uh, when they have services and, and products to sell by our pocketbooks. Um, and we are coming to, I'm, I'm grateful that we're starting to come to a place where we're understanding that uh, things like canola oil is not a healthy fat. Um, but still, 
I hear commercials, you know, with you've got the, the canola oil, you know, lobbyists and the American Heart Association, Association lobbyists. They come together. It's all about money, right? They come together and talk about how heart healthy canola oil is. is. Canola, canola oil is a killer. Hands down, no questions about it, canola oil is a killer. Um, maybe it's not if it's fresh, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have a, a, a stable shelf life. So they have to modify it and do all of these things to it to make it shelf stable. It is a highly inflammatory, very, very unhealthy fat. If you have it in your kitchen, throw it away. It's not worth, it's not worth finishing it. I'm, like I said, I'm a money saver. I like to finish things, you know, and then if I don't need to buy them again, then that's fine. But this is one of those things that it's not worth it. It's, it's a killer. So just get out of your kitchen. Don't ever purchase it. It's a problem. Um, and then, you know, things that are good, other things that are good to cook with, avocado oil. Avocado can take high heat, uh, and it's a good healthy fat. So um, don't cook with olive oil. A lot of people still will, and a lot of people disagree with that, and that's okay. Um, I tend to be more on the conservative side of things when, um, when I'm looking at, at health. And if, I, if I'm a little bit unsure, then I'm gonna say, okay, let's be conservative about this and make sure that, that what we're doing is not gonna uh, potentially create any problems. So olive oil, uh, and you'll, you'll hear this um, more in the functional medicine, functional nutrition world that we shouldn't cook with olive oil. It's outside of that where people are like, oh, it's fine. You know, you can take the, take the high heat, but it, it, I don't believe it can. I don't believe it has the, the heat tolerance. Um, you know, some people will say that you can kind of simmer on a super low heat. That's fine. I won't. I just don't. Um, you know, there are other things that we can cook with. We can cook with coconut and, and avocado oil. Um, and then just use the olive oil to drizzle on your food. I use a lot of olive oil, and it's amazing, but I never, ever cook with it. So take that into consideration. A lot of uh, other things that we can do. If you're able to do butter or ghee, those are great, uh, great uh, things you can cook with as well. Ghee can take high heat cooking. Um, and it also tends to be easier on the body for those who are sensitive to dairy. Um, and, you know, ghee is, and grass-fed butter are really high in uh, vitamin K, which is, which is protective. It's, it's protective for our cardiovascular system, system for our heart health. Uh, so for some people, for a lot of people, butter and ghee are a really good idea. But again, going back to if it's, it's animal-based, making sure that it's grass-fed, making sure that if, if possible it's organic. Um, if we're looking at it in, in, you know, sort of, you know, what's more important in my mind, it's more important for it to be grass-fed, uh, and then second in line would be organic. Uh, you know, organic really is just about the government making money. Um, so <laughs> um, it's, it's a good thing, right? We want to have organic food. We want to, but we just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a certification that they've got to pay for. Uh, and, you know, so they can put the label on it, so it makes our food expensive, uh, more expensive. And it, it is frustrating. Uh, so I probably the food that I buy is 95%, probably 90% organic. Um, but I'm also, uh, I, I, you know, will go to multiple places. I have, just for your information, you may want to do this, you may not, but I have tabs on my computer that I leave open. It's just groceries. And when I'm ready to order, I can go to all these different tabs. I can compare the prices of the food that I want to buy and I can get the, the best price of the best food uh, by, by comparing in all of these different places. So um, I have developed that over the last couple of years when you know, things you know, shut down and I wanted to have my food delivered. 
it, it has worked out really well, and it helps me to save some money. Um, and so I base, really base my groceries around what the best price is. Uh, so I'm getting different stuff all the time, and I think that that's important too, is making sure that you're getting a variety of food. Really make sure that um, you're not eating the same thing every day. I have people who eat chicken and rice and uh, broccoli almost every day. I'm like, let's not do that. <laughs> it's, it's really, you're trying to be healthy, but it's really not the healthy thing to do. Um, so, uh, oh, let's see. Hey, Ursula. Um, yeah, so Ursula is a good friend of mine. Great information for everyone, especially us saving off chronic pain. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, you know, chronic pain, chronic pain is hard. Uh, chronic pain for uh, any anybody, whether they're you know looking at you know trying to get pregnant or not. It can, it's a game changer. It can change us, uh, change our personalities. You know, I've been there as well. I uh, dealt with chronic pain for a couple of years. It did change my personality uh, it, it, because things are hard, right? Things are that much harder. <laughs> Missy says, "Amen, Ursula." Um, and so it's it's it changes our personality because things just every when when things get hard, then life is hard. And that's a whole, you know, reason why I do, in, in, in large part, why I do what I do and how I even got to this point in the first place. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've told my story, you know, a few times in the past, but is because of the chronic pain and because of, you know, um, my, my own learning and education and becoming my own health detective, which has led me to being a health detective for others. Um, and it's a it's 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 pretty cool, you know. It, we all have our story, and we all uh, um, learn from it. It's the hard stuff that that makes us grow and builds character, and and really leads us into uh, uh, to to who we can become. But it also is hard when you're going through it. And so, what is it that we can do to start to uh, understand why there's chronic pain, where it's coming from, you know? Sometimes if it's biomechanical, um, Ursula, you know, I know that you uh, broke your ankle, I believe, and that might be part of, uh, you know, what you're talking about. And that, you know, that's, that's stuff, you know, what can we do about that as, as nutritionists or in our, in our, you know, daily lives? I think there are a number of things that we can do, uh, you know, if we stop eating gluten. That can, that can lessen inflammation and hopefully lessen pain. Uh, you know, my husband broke his ankle, and he's got it fused now, and he still has some pain. But, you know, the more we can, we can take the burden off, there may still be pain, but we can, we can hopefully lessen it by, by taking the burden off other areas and, and creating uh, and, 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 and reducing inflammation, which hopefully will reduce, you know, the pain that, that you're dealing with. So, you know, there are a lot of different reasons for it, and nutrition can't address everything, but it can address a lot of things. And so, um, you know, things, you know, stress, stress increases inflammation, which is going to increase uh, pain. It's going to increase chances of struggling with fertility. It's going to, uh, it's, it's going to shrink your brain. <laughs> That's a big one. Stress shrinks the brain. So keep that in mind. Um, and so making sure that as, you know, taking that step back and taking time to to breathe, to meditate, to pray, to be still, to be grateful, all of those things that are um, that that help the body to reset, to bring it back to the parasympathetic, which allows the you know this is the 
the rest and digest. Parasympath parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest. It's it's the calm. It's it's you know the blood kind of mostly at the core with the ability you know which gives the ability to break down and utilize the foods that we're eating. In um, you know so being still, you know not you know being on the computer when you're working. Or, or, I'm sorry when you're eating. You know being with family and appreciating the food and smelling it and really tasting it. All of these things allow for better utilization of the food that we're eating. And if you, if you know me at all, you know that I fully believe, um, this is another thing that sort of changed my world in, in, in the world of nutrition, but food is not just food. Food is a language. Food is what speaks to our bodies. Food, food is what tells our cells and our DNA what to do and how to express. You know, I talk about epigenetics, and epigenetics is, is, it is accountability. Because our epigenome uh, is how our genes express, and if we're in, and all of that is based on our lifestyle, which is the coolest thing in the world. But it puts a lot. It puts all of the accountability on us. It puts the accountability on us for the food that we put in our body, on the things that we put on our skin. So think about perfume. I did a podcast yesterday uh, with with a new friend. His name's Tony. He's got a really cool app coming out. We're going to talk about it here, in a, uh, I think, in a month or so. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be cool stuff. Um, but, you know, we're talking about... Um, oh, shoot. Now I lost my train of thought. Happens, happens way too often. But anyway, we, it was a good conversation about epigenetics and the amount of power that we... Oh, it was perfume. That's what it was. You know, so many of us think that, um, you know... Uh, putting perfume on our body or cologne is not a big deal. We do it so we can smell good, and that's fine. Actually, it's not fine because it's super inflammatory. It's incredibly toxic, incredibly toxic. It's amazing, and the more you smell it and think about perfumes that uh, we put on our body, think about the perfumes that are in um, our, uh, our, our uh, laundry detergents. Um, if you're smelling it on a regular basis, think about your sheets your, your, and your clothes, and you're smelling your laundry detergent on a regular basis, this is incredibly toxic and inflammatory and just creates that, creates that much more of a toxic burden. Um, and think about, you know, if you're putting these clothes on your kiddos, um, you know, if you're, you know, washing your dog's beds and these things and you're constantly smelling this stuff, you know, they are not only toxic, but they're endocrine disruptors. So getting back to fertility, um, endocrine, endocrine disruptors create uh, significant hormonal uh, dysfunction. And so, so often, you know, beyond just, you know, having autoimmune conditions, people who are struggling to get pregnant have significant hormonal imbalances, including men, um, which is creating, you know, the inability to, to, uh, to conceive and then the struggles. And then, you know, we, we move into, well, okay, we're going to, we're just going to go do IVF, which is great. And for some people it needs to happen. Um, but you know what if what if we could we could work on all of these other areas and do the planning do the prep and get out the stuff that's that's super toxic and get out the things that are disrupting our hormones and start to uh, start to do that planning ahead of time so we don't maybe don't want to have to go through IVF and maybe we do and that's that's okay too so uh, we'll continue to um, uh, you know I think. Even going through the process of IVF, we still want to get all of those things out of the way. We still want to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, saturated fat. I want to make sure that we hit on that um, because there is such a, uh, you know, there, 
what we hear all the time is to not eat saturated fat. Now, some people, if we're looking at genetics, right, they have variants that don't allow them to break down saturated fats the way that others do. So sure, maybe for some people saturated fat is not bad. It's not about the fact that it's saturated. So all fats are a form of, of saturated, polyunsaturated, mo and monounsaturated, all of them. So it's just a matter of what, which one is more, uh, which, more, which one there's more of. So say coconut oil, it's, it's a saturated fat, but it's also poly and monounsaturated fat, right? So it just happens to be higher in saturated fat. The same with meat uh, or you know, animal fat. What we have to be careful of, going back to it, is if we're eating this, this animal, if the fat, if it's a grass-fed animal and they had everything they're supposed to and they had their sun and they have the good, healthy omega-3, omega-6 fatty acids, this is, saturated fat's not unhealthy, right? Coconut oil is not unhealthy. But for some people, we, I mean, these are, these are things we gotta know. And this is why we gotta you know, take it back to basics and understand that we are highly individualized and that we can't sit here and say that for everybody saturated fat is bad or for everybody saturated fat is good. But it's not the devil that everybody says that, that so many people think it is. So let's not live in fear of our food, but let's be educated on what it is that is gonna be the most beneficial for us, for our bodies, for, for creating a healthy pregnancy and those little healthy babies. And then making sure that as we're looking to the future that we have the right genes and variants that are turned on that are going to be passed on for generations. Uh, let's make sure that if you are suffering with an autoimmune condition that your antibody levels are hopefully in check uh, and that can be done, right? Are we able to get you into remission um, and, and knowing that when you get pregnant that um, you know your immune system totally flips, right? It totally flips and so usually if you're dealing with an autoimmune condition, you get pregnant, you're usually pretty good because uh, the body's immune system is then switched to have the ability to hold, to carry a little person. And you know, the body, it, it switches so it doesn't reject that little person, right? So you can carry that pregnancy. What can happen though is as soon as you have the baby, then there can be a pretty significant flare. So having that information and understanding that as, you know, so it's as the immune system is, you know, switching back, um, then you can flare just like, you know, it's, it's all the hormones and all the things that are going on. There's, you know, the craziness of the body is this beautifully magical situation, but it can also kind of go haywire. And so um, having that knowledge as you're moving through the, the preconception planning phase and working on whatever condition it is you're working on, and then doing the same thing throughout pregnancy and eating well, uh, as well as then after pregnancy, and or, you know, are there things that you, you can do or need to do in order to keep uh, any flares at bay? Sure, yeah, let's, uh, let's make sure that all of those things are, um, are, are in line so that you can uh, continue to, to function. And, and hopefully, you know, this is going to reduce the, the incidences of, you know, just the postpartum depression that can happen. Um, and, you know, oh, I think the more planning, the more prep we can do, uh, the better off, off we're going to be. I mean, and that's what the data shows. It really shows that, um, you know, there was a study done 
I don't know, a few years ago, um, uh, specifically around preconception planning, and all negative outcomes were almost entirely reduced. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's important to, to really take that time to plan. Another thing that I feel like I need to say, um, I, I have so many things that I was gonna say here, but you know, we'll, we'll save a lot more for another day. But I need to, I need to make this very clear because I think it's very, very important. Um, you know, one of the things that we hear when we're, you know, looking to get pregnant or while we're pregnant is that we need to make sure we're taking folic acid. Folic acid is synthetic. Do not take folic acid. If you're taking a prenatal that contains folic acid, just don't take it. <laughs> just find something else. Find, so we want folate. Folate is the natural form. Folic acid can create a lot of problems, uh, a lot of kind of nasty situations. It can increase uh, you know, anxiety and depression. It, it, it doesn't allow for all of the natural folate to be absorbed. It kind of gets a, it, it creates a ceiling so it can't all be absorbed. So making sure uh, that when you look at the, the labels for your, your, your multi or your prenatal or whatever it is that you're taking, making sure that it says folate, not folic acid. Now, what can happen is sometimes it might say folate and in parentheses it'll say as folic acid. <laughs> it's, it's such a joke. So don't take that, okay? Um, make sure that you're educated on what, is, what it is that you're taking. Um, you know, don't take a supplement that's got cyanocobalamin in it. Cyanocobalamin is synthetic form of B12. Uh, there are other forms. Uh, some people need the methylated form. Some people need the adenosyl or the hydroxyl form. Um, depends, again, we're all so, so unique, so beautifully, beautifully unique, uh, but understanding what form is best for you is, is pretty important. Um, but, you know, so many of your multivitamins, your prenatal vitamins that are just, you know, at your big box stores, even at, at some of your, your, your health food stores, um, they have these synthetic nutrients in them that can create problems. So make sure you take folate, not folic acid. Super important for, for the pregnancy, for the health and development of your child. Um, I, can't ex I can't express that enough. So I'm overdue, or I'm, you know, over my time. So uh, this is always enjoyable for me just to be able to kind of come in and chat with you a little bit. Uh, I love talking with you. I love that you uh, sort of join me with, with the, the questions and you know, your comments, and I appreciate it a ton. Uh, it's like I'm actually talking to you. So um, we, I will be, oh my goodness, my brother's getting married next week, so I'm not going to be here next week. We'll just have a replay of one of the shows, uh, potentially this one. Uh, but uh, I'm going to be out of town hanging out with my brother, watching him get married. It's about damn time. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I won't be here next week, but we'll be back uh, the following week live, of course, streaming live here on, love you, Missy, uh, streaming live here on KUHSDenver.com, where we are hitting right around 175,000 people. Uh, which is awesome sauce too. So thanks for joining. Uh, we also are the Taste Life Nutrition Podcast. After this, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us in all the places where KUHS is. You can find us on your favorite podcast. Uh, check it out, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Bye, y'all.